We all crave connection. At our core, we all want to feel loved and understood. I'm Nechami, founder of Defiance Beauty by Nechami, a natural, high-performance beauty brand that is dedicated to celebrating diversity, empowerment, and inclusivity in the world of beauty. This podcast supports our mission of giving a voice and visibility to all women because we all have stories to share. It's a place where we'll learn about each other and ourselves, dive into important issues that affect all of us, discover all that we have in common, and make some memories. So pour yourself a glass of red and get comfortable. Every night is ladies' night and we are women. I am so excited to have Jackie Glazer on this week's episode. Jackie is a former Today Show Australia psychologist and now works as a dating coach, helping individuals prepare themselves for marriage from the inside out. During this episode, Jackie talks about how her background as a psychologist helped her throughout her long journey of dating throughout the years before she met her husband when she was in her 40s. Jackie shares the most significant lesson she learned and a turning point that really changed the trajectory of her life during her single years. She shares the importance of letting go and surrendering and a visual meditation that I am so excited to put into practice starting tonight. Jackie also discusses understanding masculine and feminine energies, how that fits into dating, and how they can connect us more emotionally, especially during the courtship stage. I am so excited for you to hear this episode. Listen in and be inspired. I was raised in Sydney, Australia, and uh, I was born in Montreal, Quebec, actually. My father was there on sabbatical as a doctor at McGill University for 10 years, and both my brother and I were born in Montreal. But then at five, we went back to Australia and Sydney was gorgeous. It was idyllic. It was just, it's perfection, both in weather and the beauty and, you know, colorful birds flying around. And uh, I, you know, I had was totally spoiled. I had no idea that other cities don't look like that until I started traveling later in life. But I was, I was very uh, outgoing and a bit of a performer. And my, my mother enrolled me in ballet at five. And I, that was it. I was in love with dance and I danced four or five times a week, every week for about 20 something years. I actually became a very part-time professional dancer, but I really knew that I wanted to go into psychology. I was very passionate about understanding how we tick and being growth oriented. So I, I actually went into psychology straight away after high school and uh, became a psychologist. And uh, that was really, the, the combination was very interesting because I'd had the dance backgrounds. It allowed me to speak and to be on TV and do different things that w- normally I would have been terrified. I still was terrified, to be honest, but uh, it helped me at least be able to, to get out there. And, uh, and, and, and at the age of like, I don't know how old I was, 26, like very young, I was, I was offered a spot on the Australian Today Show as the resident psychologist, which was like this unbelievable dream out of left field that just came and plonked in my lap. Uh, and I was there for two years. And so that was an incredible experience to have my own segment there and to really think of things that would help people around psychology and be their resident psychologist for two years. And from wow. there, I went to Israel. I walked off the show. So I went to Israel and I ended up on a journey, my own spiritual journey of exploring my own roots that I had absolutely no idea about at the age of 30. So I went on a different journey after that. Wow, that's so cool. Okay, so let's backtrack a little bit um, to, okay, so you became a psychologist, then you went straight to the Today Show, which is 
obviously very cool. It's a unique opportunity that most people cannot uh, say that they've had. Was that like your full-time thing or did you work with clients like one-on-one? Yeah, I worked with clients. I had a, I had a private practice with a more senior supervisor who had kind of adopted me and uh, asked me to join her practice, which was very unusual at that age. That age, you normally not doing that. You could do that later in life at that private practice. And I had done some other nonprofit counseling jobs before full-time, but now after a few years of that, uh, I got asked to join her practice. So I had uh, I had a position in her practice where I specialized with teens and young people because I was relatively young and I felt that that was appropriate. And we actually, I actually learned a lot because she was uh, specialized in family therapy. So she, she would work with the parents and I worked with the kids, the teens, and we then we'd come together as a joint fan, co uh, co-therapist kind of situation where we would do family sessions together. And that was amazing. I learned so much on the job. I'll always be grateful to her. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's really cool. Okay. So you talk about being single for being an older single, say with quotes, right? Did, did your psychology background help you at all in regards to all the years of waiting and, you know, I'm sure it wasn't easy. So how did that, how did that work? Yeah, no, there's no inverted commas with older single. I got married in my 40s. I really was older. Like there wasn't even like, I really was an older single. You know, so it's like you don't even need to put the quotations in. But um, but yes, I think it was a it was a blessing and a curse, just like anything. You know, it was a blessing in certain ways because I I knew how to process things, but often I ended up seeing a lot of things in the dates that I wish I hadn't seen. <laughs> you know, like a doctor walks into the room and they can see if there's something wrong on your hand, even if you're at a party, they know what they're right. looking at. So it's the same thing on a date. And that's why, and then guys would be threatened. Like you're a psychologist, oh, you're analyzing me and they'd be defensive. It was so in a way that I think was harder because it became a barrier to either their perception of me or the fact that I really did see stuff and I would have to choose to overlook it and see the good and see the positive. And at the end of the day, I think it was really, you know, a lot of this process of being single. And again, I'm just jumping in here is about, it's a journey. It's not, you know, it's a journey when you're single and you go through a growth process when you're single, whether you're aware of it or not, you do. And sometimes that's on purpose. It's not that there's something wrong with you and you're doing something wrong. And then when you get it right, i.e. from my psychology background or from wherever, then you're going to meet the right one. And I think that that is the attitude of most people towards singles is like, what are you doing wrong if you want to be in a relationship or married and you're not, so you must be doing something wrong. That's the, that's the, the premise that everyone comes from. And I have a different opinion now. I really think when we, if we zoom out in a macro perspective about life and what we're doing on the planet, which is to become our potential and our best selves, right? We have potential and we're meant to actualize that potential to be what we're meant to be here for. I mean, we're getting too deep and spiritual. I don't know. No, but, that's great. I love it. Okay. But essentially we're here on the planet. If we zoom out and we're here to achieve our potential, then whatever you go through in life, not just dating, anything is designed in my personal opinion and my experience from a higher power, a bigger picture to actualize your potential. And for some people, that means a more extended period of time being single because that forces them to do certain inner work. Is there a place that you have to get to to be able to merit marriage or, or a relationship? No, not necessarily, because every single person is at a different place. 
And every single person gets into relationships and, and out of relationship. There, there's no one standard that we all have to get to to get into a relationship. And you can see that because, unfortunately, there's plenty of dysfunctional people in lots and lots of marriages and relationships. Mm-hmm. So you can see that that's the proof that you don't have to get to a certain level of wholeness and feeling somehow that I've got to be good enough to be in a relationship. No. Okay. You can keep having toxic relationships. We No one wants that. But that's not the measure. That's not the measure. So so then we have to say, well, what is it? What is going on? So if there's something going on, because I might need to learn something about myself, I might need to grow in my in my ability to have the type of relationship I want. Uh, I might need to spend some time digging deep inside myself, um, become more conscious about stuff and and make changes. You know, that 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 is really the purpose of being single uh, in the sense of what we're meant to be doing when we're single. I think that it's it's a growth trajectory. And if once you get married, it doesn't stop. Once you're married or in relationship, then it's a different journey. It's a different test. It's mirroring back to you different things that you wouldn't have mirrored back as a single. And it's just a different, you know, those games where you jump into the next level, yeah. like Minesweeper or whatever, and then you can't go back. It's like you're in a different chapter. So then that happens in marriage and and then you get tested in different ways, you know, whether you're going to have kids, whether you're going to, what are the kids going to be like, whether you get the job, whether you have a health diagnosis, there's all sorts of things that we get left in the dark and the not knowing where we're forced to grapple with our own demons or our own doubts and fears and insecurities. And the goal of all of that, again, in my opinion, is to become our greatest version of ourselves. And for sure, it's tough, but it's, but it's so incredibly rewarding when you when you do that growth. And that's really, as a psychologist, just circling back to your question, I think that I had to be, I had to experience not getting my own way for a while. And that there was a hum, humility in that, a humbling in the process of, I can't just get what I want when I want. Because I, I was, I had a strong will. I was smart. I understood people. And it just wasn't happening. And I was kind of like embarrassed about that, you know, that I had this successful life in every other area. But in this area, I couldn't get it together. I couldn't get married, even though I wanted it so badly. And there was a humility that I gained in that knowing that I am not in charge. I am not in control. There is a higher power in control. I'm not in control. And so that's hard to get when you a strong willed and you, you know, you, you, you do a lot and, and you, you're, you're powerhousey and you can do a lot in life. We think we're in control. I mean, not just powerhousey, everyone, we all think we're in control. We're not, we're not in control of our life. Meaning we we're in control of our choices. We're in control of our responses. We're in control of our efforts that we put in, but we're not in control of the outcome. We can't make the outcome. I can't even tell you how I'm lifting my arm up and down. Like I just say, I want my arm to go up and down. But I don't even know how that works with all the neurons firing and all the, you know, we have we have no clue. So part of the the expansion into our capacity and potential, I believe, is part of is letting go and understanding that we're not in control and surrendering. For sure. Was there a certain moment that you realized that and then you started working on yourself in that way? I mean, I was aware of that cognitively for a long time. I mean, I think that a lot of people are, but it's one thing to know it intellectually and it's another thing to get it emotionally. And so it was the, it's the long journey from the head to the heart that is the, the challenge. And I think that that was over, over a certain period of time that wore me down 
and I went through my highs and my lows and I'm hopeful again and then I'm depressed and despairing and then I'm in the dark and then I'm crying and I, you know, and then I get back again, back on the, the dating horse, so to speak. But it was only when I truly, you know, I had a, a crazy story where I had a meeting with a big CEO of a big company. And I think I've, sh- I've shared this a lot on different podcasts, but essentially I walked in and we were going to him for some funding for a nonprofit idea that I was helping out with at the time. And he, I was told, you know, be, be careful because he's very direct and he wants to know all about you. And, you know, my, my COO was telling me, just, just be careful. I'm like, I'm, I'm good. I'm direct. I can handle it. Any personal questions, blah, blah, blah. And we go in there and he basically, you know, said, who's, whose project is this? And I said, it's mine. And he said, I said, you know, the, 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 the perspective on this, this project is that you got to walk the walk. It was about young leadership. And I said, you got to talk the talk. You got to, you know, you got to be the change that you want in the world. Right. We all know that famous quote by Gandhi. And he looks at me straight and he goes, what are you doing to be the change? And I was like, oh, that's one of these questions. I said, oh, I'm working on this. I'm working on that. I had all these answers for him. And he looked at me and he writes right into my soul. And he just said, why are you single? And I was like, gulp, you know, like, oh, I wasn't, I wasn't prepared for that. And I said, I don't know. Firstly, that's a terrible question to ask anyone because you, no one knows why you're single, but I was like, I I don't know. I really don't know. I said, ask God. I I, I don't know. I really don't know why I'm single. I, I have searched my soul. I have, I have got input from mentors. I've gone to therapists. I've done the work. Like, I don't know. I really don't know. And he says, no, why are you single? And he kept like drilling into my soul. And I was like, I don't know. He says, you know what you need to do? I'm like, what do I need to do? Come on. And he says, you need to go home today and you need to tell God I accept. I said, I accept what? And he said, you need to tell God that you accept higher power that you accept that no matter what, you'll accept whatever whatever God decides for you. And I'm like, what do you mean? And he said, I'm not saying you should assume that you're going to be single because we don't know. It can change tomorrow, right? Anything can change tomorrow. But it's more about accepting that God's in charge and you're not. And that at any given moment, you'll accept that God's making the the judgment calls for you and God's making those decisions for you. And it's not up to you. It's up to God and you'll let go and you'll let God, you'll let God be the one making the decisions, higher power. If you want to say universe, whatever you want to say. And he got into that raw nerve literally that I was grappling with, that I knew this, I knew this in my head. You were saying, when did I know this? I knew this already in my head, but I hadn't internalized it in my heart. And he, uh, he literally hit that raw nerve and I burst into tears so unprofessionally in the middle of this big meeting with his chief of staff and my COO. And I was like, I try. Some days I trust, some days I don't. He said, nonsense. He said, trust is a choice. Trust is a choice. It's like saying sometimes I believe in God, sometimes I don't believe in God. You can't go back and forth and back and forth. It's like, no, you choose to trust or you choose to believe. Like you, you you gather the evidence and then you make a choice that you think is the right choice and you stick with that choice and you keep recommitting to trust, which is, by the way, a deep idea for marriage. You have to keep recommitting to the marriage as well. People who think they're going to get married or for a life or want a lifelong relationship and think it's just going to happen and I'm just going to happen to feel that way without having to constantly work and recommit in la-la land. Like that, you have to constantly recommit. I choose this. I'm choosing this and I'm rechoosing this. So it was a very deep lesson and I was crying 
And he said, go home and accept and watch what happens because that's all that God wants. Anyway, it became this personal, literally like a personal counseling session with this guy, my new mentor, <laughs> who's the CEO and not a, not a, like not a spiritual guide. And, um, the other two had their heads in their laps, like looking very uncomfortable. Oh, awkward. <laughs> yeah, awkward, awkward, awkward. And it, at the end of it, he gets up and he goes, I like her. She's real. I want to work with you guys and walks out. You know, that's it. That was the meeting. And my, I just looked at the, the other two and I said, I'm so sorry. I said, I, I didn't speak. We didn't speak about anything that we planned. And like the chief of staff was laughing, shaking his head. He said, no, 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 that was the meeting. That was the meeting. And that was the best meeting we've had in two weeks. And <laughs> After that, that was the turning point. And after that, I cried for three days. I didn't know why. It wasn't a sad cry. It was like a little weepy cry, like something was melting off my heart or something. It was the weirdest. Ex- cathartic? Pardon? Yeah. Like cathartic, cathartic. And like I had access to myself in a different way, in a raw way. It was weird. I'd never experienced this before or since. And I cried for like weeping kind of teary for three days. And I remember that weekend, that Shabbat, I was doing a meditation uh, and I, I was doing a meditation and I remember asking myself, honestly, like really ruthless honesty with compassion. Why can't I accept? Why? I know God's in my life. I know there's a higher purpose. I know there's a higher power. I know, I understand, but why can't I accept it? And back came a little voice that said, because you are judging yourself as a failure. If you don't get married, you think you're a failure and then you can't accept that. And now you're blaming that on God or higher power. And I was like, oh, wow, I'm doing it to myself and then blaming a higher power for this. And I was like, that is it. I'm not doing that again. And that's it. I don't need marriage to make me feel worthy. I don't need a man to make me feel good enough inside myself. That's unhealthy. That's eventually leads to, I guess, codependency. I don't know, like, but that's not, you can't define yourself externally. And that includes marriage. And I was like, I, I'm done with that. I'm good enough. I'm worthy enough. And I'm, I'm not doing that ever. I remember it was a very deep decision. And I stood there that moment and I said aloud to God, this is not what I want this single life. This is not what I want. And if I end up like this, although I think it could end tomorrow, meaning I could meet someone tomorrow, but if I end up single, it will break my heart. It will break my heart. So this is not what I want. However, if it's what you want, and there's some bigger reason that I don't know why this is good, which we find out in the next world, so to speak, you know, we don't know when we get the bigger picture, when we die, we see everything. And I said, but if there's some bigger picture, if this, if there's some, if this is what you want, And this is what you're saying is what I need right now to be my best self. I'll do my best to work with it. I'll do my best to accept it. And I remember this like feeling of like, it just got, I felt so much lighter. I was bawling my eyes out and it was so real. And the next day, my husband was suggested to me. Wow. The very next day. That's amazing. And it was literally mind-blowing. I'd been single for, I don't know, I'd been dating for at least maybe 12 years at that point, like really long time. And all that because I became whatever, I showed up later in life uh, <laughs> to, to, to date in the Jewish world. And uh, it was mind-blowing to me. It's exactly what that CEO had said. Go home and accept 
but you can't do it for that reason because that's just a manipulation. So you can't say right. now, oh, I'm going to go and accept this thing in my life so that it changes. That's yeah. not real acceptance. That's a manipulation, right? You're trying to make right. it happen. Can't do it from that place. All we're meant to do is practice this deep level of acceptance of self and of our situation that you can't, if you can't change it, obviously, if you can change stuff, you're meant to do stuff towards that. But I couldn't change it at that point. I really had done everything. And what was left for me was that acceptance. Now, would I have reached that level had I not been pushed to the wall, not getting married? No, I never would have reached. I needed to be single and struggle that long to be pushed and squeezed to that potential, to find that potential inside myself and bring it out. Like I needed that experience somehow that opened me up in such a major way, right? That had nothing to do with really getting married. It was my own personal growth and transformation that needed to happen. And yes, then I have a better marriage. Then I had, I met the love of my life and then a whole new chapter started, which has nothing to do with that single chapter now, right? I have stepkids. I have all sorts of things like, you know, it's like a different chapter. So I really do believe that our journey is where we're meant to be and that you're, meant, you're, you're, you're not a mistake. It's not a punishment. There's nothing wrong with you. And whatever's going on in your life, whoever's listening, whatever adversity, whatever challenge you're having, it's designed for you to become the best version of yourself, but it's not always easy or comfortable. And sometimes it's really darn painful. And that's okay because you will, you will, you will rise out of it. And it's forcing you, it's forcing you to dig deep inside to find that potential. And that's what I was being squeezed to do in this situation. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, as painful as that was, and also kind of inappropriate, to be honest, that he did that, um, at least I had a great outcome, you know, but also it applies, this letting go and surrendering really applies to so many challenges in life. And, And also it's, it's not only, okay, so you don't want to have like the the end in mind, right? Or the solution in mind in order to let go. But at the end of the day, it really also helps the process because it feels so much lighter when you do let go and surrender to whatever is. Oh, it is liberating. Liberating when you realize you don't have to be carrying everything on your shoulders. And like most of it, we're not even in charge of anyway. So how amazing it is to put those, like those baggages down, like, right. And just, it's like someone described it to me as when you get on a train with your heavy bags and you're standing on the train, the train starts to leave the station to go to the next one. And then you know, you're traveling really, really fast, but you're still standing there holding your suitcases off the ground. <laughs> That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. And just put the bags down. Like, yeah. Them down. <laughs> yeah. By the yeah. way, oh my God. I love that analogy. I'm gonna literally use that in meditation because I'm gonna think of like just putting my suitcases down, having yes. that visual. Yes. Put the bags down. You're not in charge of it anyway. The train is taking you somewhere, and we hold on. We just hold on as if we're in control. But it's as silly. It's as silly as that because we're just not in control. You know? Yeah. Love and so that. If, if you want to practice the state of surrender, actually, I just released, I'm just releasing today a, a visualization on this exact experience because it's, again, we talk all about these concepts, but we don't know how to feel it in the body, right? So the feeling of it is the most important thing. And so if you want to, if you want to induce this feeling of surrender, the best way to do it is either physically doing this or to visualize it either way, because when you visualize certain things, the subconscious doesn't realize it's, um, it's not real. When you really visualize, that's why when you watch movies and you like you watch a horror movie, your subconscious doesn't know that that's not really happening to you. It really thinks it's happening in your body because when your body right. has that 
be a reaction. So got to be yeah. careful what expose yourself to. But anyway, visualize yourself going down to the ocean or a lake or a pool, whichever you feel more comfortable with and going into the water and floating on your back. And when you lean back, that feeling, we've all done this. When we float on your back, firstly, it feels light. feels like, oh, like I feel relief. And then I also, you know, that moment where you have to actually put your head back into the water and you kind of feel a bit scared. And then you kind of like choose to let go. You choose to let go of your head, which is where we store a lot of control stuff, right? As a, as a yeah. somatic therapist, we look at neck as a lot about control. So we want to release, we want to let go of control back in the water and you let the water support you. So it's, it's, it's a letting go and a letting in of the water supporting you. And then if there's a tide or whatever, you're going with wherever the tide is taking you. You let the, the tide take you somewhere. You're going with the flow, right? That is the state of surrender. Wow. That's what it feels like. What does it feel like if I give up or if I'm submissive, right? What is submission or despair or giving up instead of surrender? It's when you're sitting there and you sink to the bottom. That's giving up and submission, right? I, I give up and I'm sinking to the bottom. That's what that would look like in that analogy. And what we want to do is we want to learn how do I float? How do I just let go and float and then let myself be taken with the process? Wow. Thank you for sharing that. That's so powerful. It's, it's helpful. It's really seriously yeah. helpful. I use it all the time. I'm going to so, start using that seriously. Yeah. Like today. <laughs> today. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's like with anything, yeah, you know, we, we could use this every single day for every challenge that comes up, just surrendering. Yeah. This is for every situation. Yeah. yeah. Surrendering. Yeah. Wow. Love that. Okay. I want to ask you also, you know, we're kind of continuing another topic, but the whole idea of masculine and feminine energies is a very hot topic now, a trendy topic for good reason, really. I want to hear your perspective on how that is affecting the whole like singles community and dating in general. Yeah, it's, it's a big topic. There's a, there's a problem in the world, which is that you have people wanting one thing and then acting another way. So you have very strong powerhousey women who say, I don't need a man, you know, uh, independent and super independent, have my own bank account, have my own this, have my own that, have my own business. I don't need a man. And then, oh my gosh, it was so nice. He opened the door for me. Oh my gosh, he brought me flour. He took care of me, right? There's this back and forth, back and forth. And it's not like you can't, we all have both. We all have masculine energy and feminine energy, obviously, and we all need to use both. They're all very positive things. However, there are certain ways that masculine and feminine come together in a romantic flow, let's call it, because this is actually much bigger than man, woman, gender. It's much bigger than this, right? Which is the fabric of, if we're looking to dabble a little bit into Kabbalah, I don't know if we're allowed to do that here. Yeah, but sure. I'd love to. <laughs> Kabbalah, like. Uh, you know, that there's a flow in the universe, let's say, um, that's about, you know, nature, the earth, you know, so for example, sun is considered masculine, the sun radiates energy from itself, right? That's the sun, mm -hmm. just, it's just a ball of energy, the moon, which goes with the sun as a couple, right, is reflective of the feminine, and absorbs the sun's rays and reflects it back. So together, sun and moon are crucial, you would not say one is more important than the other. But together, how they fit together separately to how they operate independently 
they flow together through this particular flow of the sun radiating and the moon absorbing and then reflecting back, which is very active. It's not a passive role. It's active, right? Absorbing, receiving, and then reflecting back and creating mm -hmm. it and governing other things with that is, is very powerful. The rain is considered masculine. Mother Earth, we already know, is feminine. She's Mother Earth. We say Mother Earth. Why? Where do we say that from, right? We, yeah. we just know it's feminine. I'm sure there's a, a source for that. I'd be curious to see where that came from, the, word, the term Mother Earth. Mother Earth is feminine. What does Mother Earth do? She sits and waits for the rain, actively waiting to receive. And she receives the rain, and then she sprouts vegetation across the whole earth. That's what her role is. Now the two go together. The rain without Mother Earth would just flood everything. Mother Earth needs rain as an instigator to, to grow everything. And mm -hmm. so too man receives, uh, sorry, woman receives in the womb and then bears a child. Man gives to woman, woman receives it in the, in the womb and, and then bears a child through that same flow. So if we want to take that same flow to dating or to relationships, that same flow happens, right, in relationships. And if we if we understand that and we align with that, we can make things happen a lot more easily, a lot more smoothly, a lot more with clarity, um, with connection in that way, in that romantic way, because there's certain things that men and women, women uh, do that connect more effectively in a romantic sense, especially at the beginning with the courting stage, you know. So, you know, men taking care of his his woman, taking her out, feeling like a man because he can do that, um, her letting that in, letting that reception in, right? Like, which is so hard for women if they're very strong or they're very like independent because they've either had to be or because they just are strong. They're strong, good women. They're amazing. We have to be able to have choice internally, to be able to be ch choose what we want to what what to, we have to be able to choose what state we want to be in. And in this particular mode, it's like switching modes. Like I want to go into reception mode and you can test how good you are at this by how well do you truly let in a compliment? It's a very easy one. When someone gives you a compliment, do you just deflect it? Do you literally negate it? Or do you say what you're meant to say, but deep down you don't let it in, right? Oh, thanks so much. But inside you're not letting it in. Or do you say, oh no, this old thing, this, oh, this is nothing. I, you know, I didn't get, or what do you say when someone gives you a compliment? Cause that's someone's giving. And then you, do you receive it? Can you receive positivity inside of you? That's a really good litmus test. So the next time someone gives you a compliment, you can say, you can just take a deep breath and you say, thank you. And actually let it sort of make contact with your inner being a little bit, like let, let it in. Not just like from the head, like, thanks. Yep. Mm -hmm, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. So, so what happens is, is, is in this dating situation, a lot of women don't want to receive either it's too vulnerable or they don't feel worthy of it, or they think they're a burden. They don't want to be annoying. They don't want to put someone out, but guess what? A healthy man in relation to that will feel amazing. If you say, I had the best date, oh my gosh, that was the best dinner, great choice of restaurant, or that's so considerate that you thought of my, that I was cold, that you noticed I was cold and you changed the temperature in the car or like, you know, thank you so much. I'm, you noticed I'm cold. He gave you the jacket and you took the jacket and let it keep you warmer. Right. Don't resist. You know? So I think that there is not because you need a man to take care of you. I know that there's so many competent, amazing women out there. It's not about that. It's about 
letting letting that connection happen in that way because that's the flow that that happens in the universe as well right that that's the flow of oneness right masculine feminine coming together is is about reflecting that oneness and that's why marriage we talk about your soulmate and you're one with your soulmate and all of these ideas come out of this deep kabbalistic idea uh that that we're really here to 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 become one with that intimate partner right that's really what what romantic relationship is about oneness and that oneness happens when there's a masculine to feminine flow like that with that energy um and one has to be at some point a giver and there's a receiver and then yes that changes over the period of the relationship obviously it's not like women sit there the whole whole time just right. right obviously but i'm saying that initial courtship stage i think that that's very important uh and let him let him take care of you if you're a woman and if you're not comfortable with that so that's worth exploring with some compassion and curiosity as well as the fact that of course you can do things for him too but to be conscious of being in your empowered feminine i think is really important and i think that that men need to learn how to step up and be in their empowered masculine too because then they they're sabotage self-sabotage state is to be in the receiver role and women to step up and take care of everything so you can have this role reversal which is that the men end up being more passive and sweet and sensitive the women are the powerhousey ones who do everything and then eventually that leads to resentment because really deep down a woman wants a man a man to step up take charge to lead like they want it it's not because they need it they want it feels good and there's a deep idea for that too, that women are also are very in tune with the internality. And in order for us to be in tune with that internality, it helps to have a man taking care of the externality. So they go together as complementary rather than, you know, better than, less than. And if let him do that, let him do that. So it frees you up to be more focused on the internal, you know, when you're dating. So I think that that role reversal can happen where men get very like, uh, either they get, uh, they become irresponsible they they want to be taken care of they want a mommy I, you know very wary of all those dynamics because that's how it looks the woman comes in and she thinks she's being a giver so she's doing everything for the man and it backfires it backfires because deep down that's not what people not what women typically want especially long term you know the big for short periods is fine and for men you know they need to learn that that carrying the responsibility of another is very manly and very attractive to women to step up and take responsibility for a woman, a family, and feel that they're your responsibility, that you can carry them, you can be there for them, you'll do whatever it takes. It's very attractive. Uh, not not because of not coming from need, but coming from I, I want to be there for you. I want to be your man. Totally. So, and there's also different types of giving. So, you know, mm-hmm. you know like what you just mentioned about a woman saying to him, like, I loved when you did X, Y, and Z for me. Like that's giving to a man because he wants yes. to hear that feedback. Yes. And exactly. it makes him feel really good. Yes. It happens to be that that's something that I remember years ago when I first started dating, one of my friends who's a therapist actually told me that she's like, let him give to you. And at that point I wasn't ready to hear it. I, and I remembered it. I thought, you know, and that's something that I actually have worked on throughout the years because naturally it doesn't come to me. I'm the oldest. I've always been a giver and, you know, taking yeah. care of everything. And, but that's something that, that I, I'm happy. I'm, you know, I'm proud to say that it's something that I've worked on. So I'm, I'm able to receive, but it, it was really hard for me at first. Like I was like, 
I don't need a man for this. I could do it myself, you know. But um, it also feels really good. It really does because naturally we're we're meant to have that dynamic. We are. It's a natural thing, and and you have to have trust and vulnerability to do it. And I I think that the more we can get in touch with our own vulnerability and listen to our deeper selves, which if you're a powerful woman, sometimes that's hard. Sometimes that's hard to do to really let yourself be vulnerable. For even to yourself. Yeah. Right. Oh, snap out of it, move on. What feelings don't help anyway? Like <laughs> that whole thing. Uh, also the perfectionist. I want to be perfect. So going on a date being perfect is is really the wrong direction because a man wants to be needed. A healthy man wants to be needed. And if you're perfect and giving off that image that you are super independent, you have no needs and everything's great. And I don't, you know, you think you're being easy because you're not being a burden. I don't have any demands. I don't have any wants or needs, but that leaves him. I've, I've, I've heard it many times from men where they say like, well, I don't really know how she's going to fit a relationship into her life or she doesn't really need a man or she doesn't really need me. You know, she's good without me. Like they want to see a healthy man wants to see where he could fit in and help and be there for you. Let him be there for you. And a woman needs to respect her man, but a woman needs appreciation more from her man. So men need respect and women need to respect the man and women want to be appreciated. So men need to appreciate their woman. And I think those are slightly, they go hand in hand. They're they're not the same. Meaning, of course, women want respect and men want appreciation, but those that speak to the core, to core, the core of, of men and women. Right. Can you imagine how much smoother dating would be if, if men internalize that and women internalize their lesson? I know, I know, but you have to you have to overcome your own demons and your own inner resistance to do that. And that's part of the work I was talking about before yeah. is that sure. you have to go through dating to experience how hard that is for you. And then to say, wow, let me look at that because maybe I'm blocked. Maybe I have some challenges here. You know, that's why I started this course that I run is because I felt there were so many singles. They didn't need more advice from a dating coach. Like they didn't need more tips. Oh, wear this on a date. Say that on a date. Go out on. They didn't need that. They need. They weren't looking at the inside, like what was actually showing up as a pattern in their dating life. What are they really scared of? Like where are they blocking true authentic connection? Those were the more important pieces. And that's the work they had to do on themselves, regardless of the relationship or the marriage. Meaning, ah, it happens to be that when you do that work, then often you'll get married and the right guy shows up or the right woman shows up or whatever. But even that, that's not the reason to do the work. The reason to do the work is to do the work because that's what you're on the planet for, right? To achieve your potential. And it happens to be that you're doing it through the single journey right now. And uh, and it ha- like we had last month, four women in the middle of our course did that work internally and they shifted around vulnerability, asking for help, uh, letting in even the positive. Can you imagine? Like, we don't think about this, but letting it in to feel good and expressing how it feels good when you're around someone is so vulnerable that people yeah. won't do it. And, um, and, and also owning what they truly want versus what they thought their family wanted or society wanted or, you know, like the other voices in our head, owning their own voice. When four women did that who were in the group, their husbands walked into their lives in the middle of the group, literally out of nowhere. They opened up internally and it manifested, right? Again, we're not in charge of the outcome, but as they changed internally, they created a vessel to receive that. And this, they, their husbands, now their husbands, they got married later, their husbands walked into their life. And they're shocked 
because it was they felt it was like magic I'm like it's not magic it's that you became a different receiver you know and now it's obviously not magic because otherwise everyone in the group that would have happened to and it didn't happen but you see that we don't know the bigger picture and we don't know what are the things that need to shift for us to then be ready to receive that and we have to do that inner work that's for sure that is for sure yeah, for sure. And it also enriches the rest of your life. It's not only for marriage, oh, even yeah. though obviously that's the goal of your course, but yeah, your relationships in general, it's just once you start doing that work, oh my gosh, it's like next level. You're happier in general. Yeah. I know yeah. but some of my, my, my women, they're awesome. They come home they I asked for a raise and I got it. I never <laughs> would have done that. Or my relationship with my mom is so much better. And I didn't get triggered by things she says. It was unbelievable. My favorite, my favorite feedback is after they finish the course, um, they'll come, they'll, I'll get these random phone calls or text messages like, oh my gosh, I went on the worst date ever and I got rejected and I didn't even care. <laughs> like they're, they really, they, they, they're so excited that they, they, they forget that it was a terrible date. They, they were so excited that normally this would have devastated me and I was fine. And they can feel this inner self-worth. It's like, okay, next. Like it's yeah. not a deal. And that's so empowering. They, they give me the biggest smiles, those, that feedback, because it's true. They've noticed how much they've changed and how happier they are. And it, like you said, it's liberating. So that inner work, that's, that's the, that's the secret, the inner work. Yeah. I love that. That's what your course is because that's literally the most needed thing out of, that's the foundation the foundation so and it's, it's the not... foundation of marriage as well meaning it's yeah. invested in your marriage as well because that without this then you're just going to be you know uh, reactive or you're not going to know how to have more mastery over your internal responses and I think that we when we have mastery or choice around how we respond then we have the potential to have a much happier connection or relationship for sure for sure yeah. wow I love that Okay. I want to, we have so much to talk about, but I think what I want to end off with is the concept of keeping the faith and having hope that it's going to happen to you when you're in a position of being single and the years are passing by and it's really hard, you know? So what is, I would love to hear how you kept the hope when you were single and then what you would advise uh, single singles um, of how to keep hope. Okay, at the risk of being too spiritual, I really think that you have to believe that there's a bigger process and a bigger pattern and a bigger design and a higher power that's running the show. And that the goal is, you know, that there's no reason that you would be the exception. Majority of people who want to get married, get married. And there's no reason that you would be the exception. It's much more likely you're the norm. And relying on a higher power to bring it is really the key that's the only thing that can keep your hope and what people make a mistake the most of including me is that they 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 think that because it hasn't happened until now it won't happen so they transfer their past experience into the future and whenever you jump into the future what if it never happens i was going to be a cat lady and live alone in my apartment and I was going to die and no one would know for days because the stench would be so big. And then they would realize <laughs> I was going to live alone. Like that's where I went to my dark moments, you know, and I, I definitely didn't hold the hope the whole time. I had a lot of despair, a lot of darkness and battling and grappling with that darkness is like, it can't be, this is what God wants for me. It just can't be. So what else does he want? 
Like, and, and I think that that's the key is building your relationship with a higher power in a very practical way in other areas of your life, not just in the dating area. That's really the key. If you don't really believe that you're here for a purpose, you're here for a reason, there's a process, you're not forgotten, it's not random, you're not being punished, there's nothing wrong with you, right? You got to keep doing the work internally and the guy will show up at the right time and you should pray for him too to be ready, right? To come to you at the right time and whatever. But essentially it's about the more you feel faith, as you said, faith and trust in a higher power and really feel that connection, the less despair and the less anxiety and the less worry you'll have. And they literally like a seesaw. So they displace. So the level of faith and trust you have will decrease significantly and proportionately the level of anxiety and fear and despair that you have. So if you're feeling anxiety, despair, and fear, then we want to up the trust and the connection and the faith and the reliance on a higher power. And you can do that in two ways. You can speak to a higher power aloud in a whisper. You have to speak aloud because we need speech to connect, right? A higher power would for sure know what's in your head, but we we need to speak aloud. And it's it's very important actually, because I've asked been asked lots of times by many people, um, I believe in God, but I don't feel a connection. And the first question I say is, are you speaking aloud in a whisper to that higher power? And they say, no. And I said, start speaking aloud. And they speak aloud and they come back and they go, oh my gosh, I feel so different. Yeah, because we need speech to connect. So that's number one. Speak aloud in a whisper about anything on your heart, whatever you need help with. Thank, Say thank you, gratitude, request, right? Um, and the second thing is noticing that higher power's response in your life. So noticing how they show up clearly with your needs, with people you meet, with opportunities you get, with opportunities you lose. And we're forced to walk with that higher power in our life and see more and more and more. I'll give you an example. Can I give you a crazy example? Sure. Yeah. It happened this week. I had a client sign up, come onto a discovery call, really wanted to work with me, couldn't afford it. Yeah. I didn't, I mean, just didn't have extra cash to invest in this process. Although it's a separate discussion about self-worth. So she, this, this woman comes on the call, awesome woman, really loved her, wanted to work with her. She couldn't afford it necessarily at that time. And meanwhile, behind the scenes, I had been trying to help a relative of mine get a personal trainer in the city that he lives in, which is not my city. And I was thinking, how am I going to find a personal trainer that's good in his city? Da, da, da. And I wanted to give it to him as a gift, you know, for whatever, for a present or birthday present or whatever. Separate point, like just side point. Yeah. But I've been looking and looking and looking. And out of the blue, I said at the end of the call with this lady who's going to talking about hiring me as a dating coach, what do you do for work? And she says, well, I actually have like an Uber, but for personal trainers. I said, what? And she said, yeah, like I set up, I send personal trainers to people's homes. I said, where? And she said like New York, New Jersey, Florida, like she listed a bunch of major cities, one of which was where my relative lives. And I went, wow. you and I said, it was so specific. And I said, would you be willing to send a personal trainer to this relative as a present from me twice a week? And we'll do it as a barter for the course. And she said, done. I would love it. And I was, we were both like looking at each other like, this is, this is crazy. Like the, the, the perfection of what she needed and what I needed at the same moment that came together. That's looking for God, right? That's yeah. looking higher power to show up with such perfection. If that happened once every 50 years, you could say maybe it was random, but that stuff happens all the time and we don't notice it. We'll go, oh my God, 
gosh, what a coincidence. Oh my gosh, how random, right? But we don't realize, no, 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 it wasn't random. It was on purpose. It was designed. It was perfection. And that perfection happening over and over again cannot be random. It cannot be, right? So this happens a lot. The more you notice it, in fact, the more it shows up. Yeah. Notice a higher power, the more a higher power shows up in your life in a more revealed way. So you can even say when you're speaking to this higher power, please show up in a more revealed way that I can actually see you and acknowledge you. And the more you build up that connection that's real in your heart with this higher power, the less you'll ever feel anxious or worried about anything, right? And you said, how do we build up this faith and, and the yeah. hope? This is the best way I know how to do it. This beats affirmations. This beats all sorts of, right? Like, because at the end of the day, yeah. we know we're not in control. For so sure. surrender, surrender and connection. Love it. Love it. Thank you. Okay. If you had one message to give over to the next generation of women, what would that message be? That you are worthy no matter what. You are worthy and beautiful inside, and it is not dependent on any darn thing outside of you. Love it. <laughs> is that clear? Is that clear, everyone? Yeah. <laughs> uh, short and sweet. Love it. Okay. Jackie, where can people find you if they want to learn more about you and follow along your journey? Instagram is probably the best Jackie Glazer with an S official Jackie Glazer official. Uh, and I just started a podcast uh, through a Jewish lens, Jewish spirituality as well called underneath the surface on Spotify. So you can find me there and that's probably the best. Yeah. I agree. I'm going to put those links in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining me, Jackie. This was so fun Thank to have you. you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. That's all for tonight. Thanks so much for listening. Connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Defiance Beauty BN and on our website, defiancebeauty.com. If there's a woman in your life whose story needs to be heard, send me a message to let me know who she is and why she means so much to you. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to know your thoughts. We want you to feel heard.